Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, Yas here. Hope you're well. I wanted to start today by saying thank you for tuning in. It's been an incredible journey over the last two years since May 22, where I released the first ever episode of the Coaches Network podcast. And to still be at it now, I can honestly say it wasn't something I anticipated. But I can't go without saying it would not have been possible without your support. So whether this is your first time listening, you've been with me from the start, or anywhere in between, your support means the world and I want to say a massive thank you to everyone. On that note, it's been two years and there's been a hell of a lot of guests and some amazing conversations along the way. So as we approach the 250th episode of the Coaches Network podcast, I thought it'd be a great time to highlight some of the fascinating conversations that have taken place. So over the next few weeks, I'll be releasing some reruns of some of my favourite episodes of the show and give everyone an opportunity, whether you've been here from the start or recently become part of the Coaches Network family, an opportunity to soak up some of the brilliant conversations. In other news, there's been fantastic work going on behind the scenes. So alongside continue to bring some great guests and great conversations, I'm pleased to announce that myself and Joe will have some more webinars coming up over the next few months. So keep an eye out for those. And I recently announced that I'll be looking to put together a private coach development community group. Places will be limited and I'll be looking to launch this towards the start of March 2023. So if that's something that's of interest to you and you'd like to know more, please get in touch. Finally, one last request. It does take a lot of time to keep producing the content, especially weekly episodes. So if I could ask you one massive favour, guys, and apologies if you've already done so. But if you could take a moment to leave a review and some feedback on the show, it honestly makes a massive difference to the ratings and how many people can get access to the podcast. But enough of me. As ever, massive thank you and on to today's guest, guys. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Dear. I'm good right, for guys. something. Go ahead. <laughs> right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a very special guest with me this evening. From overseas, I've got the legendary, yes, legendary Dr. Jerry Lynch. Good evening, Jerry. How are you? I am doing much better right now. We've got everything set up and I'm raring to go with you. I can't wait. Awesome. You know, a few technical glitches, but we got there in the end, Jerry. Um, oh, yeah. Jerry, for those Thank who, you. Been, you know, shockingly, if it is possible, have not come, come across your work before, would you mind just giving a bit of a backdrop as to who you are and what you do? Well, I've been trying to find out who I am for a long time. So uh, hopefully I'll find out at some point. Uh, it's a great question, you know, and, and we, have to, uh, we have to know who we are in order to be able to be who we're going to be to do what we're going to do, if that makes sense. Uh, but coming back to the more germane part of your question, uh, you know, I see myself as, as someone who can make a difference in the lives of people. And I make that difference in the lives of people where I help people to, uh, to find out uh, how to live a better life. And I do it through the medium of sport. So sport is my vehicle. And what I do is I ask people, I, get, I invite people onto the, into the vehicle and we transport 
together and go to places that we've never been before. And uh, that vehicle, uh, there's a lot that goes on when you're in that vehicle, you know, there's a lot to learn. And, uh, you know, there's a meditation bar in the, in the back of that car, you know, and, uh, you know, you learn how to meditate and you learn uh, what your core values are in life and how to live according to those things. So basically, sports becomes a a vehicle, a spiritual vehicle to enlighten ourselves, to find out more about who we are and why we are the way we are and why we want to do what we want to do. And uh, so I came across this after many, many years. I've been at this work for over 40 years and it started out just as psychology and then I drifted into philosophy and then spirituality and I keep all three together. And after 14 books, uh, I keep going and I keep learning. And uh, so I think I'm doing it for myself. But if anyone out there wants to learn what I've learned, that makes sense. Uh, I'm all in and I'm there to help people. And, and, and my why is, is not to make a living as much as it is to make a difference. And because of that, I have a lot of people really curious and wondering, what this is all about and, and, and wanting to have a piece of it really, you know? No, definitely. And you, you speak there about, you know, a lot of people wanting to have a piece of it and, you know, throughout that journey, you know, 14 books, you've touched on it there. Um, that's probably just a, a drop in the ocean in terms of the amount of work that you've done. Um, and that's just probably one way of, if you like, evidencing some of the thoughts and, th and theories and uh, experiences you've had throughout the years. Um, but you've also impacted a lot of people, especially at the elite uh, elite end of the sports um, across various different sports. You know, the likes of Steve Kerr, the likes of Phil Jackson, you know, they speak very highly of the work that you do and how you've impacted their journeys. Would you mind just maybe sharing a bit of insight around, you know, it's probably, you say, you know, you're still, you're still discovering who you are, but would you mind sharing a bit of insight around what it is about your work that kind of really just resonates with them and, you know, that they've really maybe fed back to you on what's so, been so impactful for them? Well, the, re the reason why it resonates with them, as it would with you and me, is because, first of all, we're human beings who crave, who crave something meaningful. Uh, you know, sports, very basic. Here's a ball, there's a hoop, bounce the ball, get it into the basket. But in order for that ball to go in the basket, we've got to score points on the inner, inner side of ourselves. You know, we have to have our heart in the right place. We have to be aligned with some deeper core values like being selfless and being courageous and, and having integrity and all of this, these values that I talk about. But when we talk about a Steve, for instance, a Steve Kerr, uh, over the years we've become really close and I've done some consulting with him as well. Uh, they cr he craves this message, and, and the message is one of the heart, one of, uh, of caring, uh, one of connection. Sports is a wonderful, wonderful, amazing, extraordinary medium for connecting with other people, if we so choose. Caring, um, love. Uh, Phil Jackson uh, once told me that had it not been from you know, to win NBA championships, you need a lot of talent, physical talent. You need a lot of, uh, uh, you need a lot of 
toughness. Uh, you need a lot of luck too. But he said, there's one ingredient that without that ingredient, uh, you never win an NBA championship. And that is you have to have a lot of love in the team, on the team, with each other. Uh, who in the world, regardless of your race, uh, religion, gender, no matter what it is, no matter what part of the world you're in, we all resonate with the idea of love and connection. And I think we all crave that. So it's really easy for me to get attention because I'm talking about things that I know you, coach, you crave. I don't have to sell you on that. And you and your family, I mean, there's love there. That's important in that connection. So my message is universal. It's simple. And it's very applicable to just about everything we do. So it's a setup for success. I'm not complicated. I'm very simple. That's interesting. That, and I think it, it, it's that ability to maybe simplify things, you know, that can often seem so complex in the first place that allows us to kind of get some progress and, you know, seek some clarity in, in what we're doing and even some reassurance at times. So I guess, you know, we're here today, you know, to explore some of the, some of your experiences, some of your theories and, you know, more specifically this idea of being a, you know, a competitive Buddha. Can you mind, would you mind maybe just sharing some insights to how we've kind of maybe come to that point where this is something that you, I guess you heavily believe in and, and you practice if you like, and, and exactly what that means to be a competitive Buddha. Uh, the competitive Buddha is actually my son came up with that title. It's my 14th book. And it's my first attempt to integrate the teachings and the truths of, of the Buddha, Buddhist philosophy into the realm of sport. And uh, so I came up with this idea and I've been using these ideas and concepts for a long time. Yes. I mean, I, when I was a uh, competitive athlete, all through my teens, 10, 20s, 30s, into my 40s, I always had these kind of principles and these kind of learnings and teachings and understandings about competitiveness. And they go back to the Buddha. And what a lot of people who are listening to us today are thinking, well, wait a minute now, competition, Buddha, isn't that kind of a oxymoron? It doesn't quite belong. You know, you think of the competitive guy go out there and just force and push and make something happen. And the Buddha is sitting there like in meditation, waiting for things to happen and then following the signs, right? But nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, my research uncovered the fact that the Buddha himself was perhaps the first ever uh, student athlete. And while he was learning all this stuff, he was like, what a wrestler he was. He was quite an archer and he was an amazing horseman and he competed at high levels. In fact, he said that everything he had learned about himself and all of his enlightenment was the result of those competitive days. Well, gosh, when I heard, when I see that, it's like, that's me. Uh, not the Buddha, but everything that I am and, and, and what I know and who I am and my view of life has come from competition. You know, if we had the, the luxury of sitting down with, with, with a Michael Jordan, well, you, you had a nice conversation with Shaq recently. 
if, if you ask him the question, I'm sure he would have answered it this way. He's a brilliant man, by the way, extremely bright, as so many of these athletes are. Uh, if you talk to a, a Kobe Bryant when he was alive and you ask him the question, so what has sport brought to you uh, in your life? And, and they would talk about the joy and, and the excitement and all that. But if you, if you kept pursuing that question deeper, I know for a fact, having talked with so many of these great athletes, that they have learned about themselves and they have learned how to navigate the, the uncharted waters of, of, of our lives, of our crazy lives sometimes. Okay, so coming full circle to your question, when I discovered that the Buddha was a competitive athlete, I decided I'm going to write about this because I'm using these concepts anyway, and I'm going to call it the competitive Buddha. And according to the, the Buddhist way of thinking, competition is not about you and me, Yaz, fighting each other and trying to beat up on each other. What it's about is competition is about me using you to raise my level so that when you show up in the arena and you bring your big game, that's going to force me to dig down deep to see what I'm made of. And so what we do is we seek together our greatness rather than you're the enemy and I've got to defeat you. You're my partner and we're going to work together. And we have this kind of unwritten agreement that when you show up, you better bring it because if you don't, you're going to suffer. You know, because I'm, I'm bringing my game and I want you to bring your game. So if I may say this, if you trace the word competition back to its Latin root, right? Go back to Latin. It's compatiere. And compatiere means to seek together. We've really gotten off track. We think think of competition in, in, in the traditional way that we now do now, but the real meaning of competition way, way back is we seek together how to be great, how to be good. And you know, whether you're a corporate leader, a CEO, you wanna do that too, right? So, so Google learns from Yahoo and Yahoo uh, learns from LinkedIn. And, 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 and so all these different corporations are learning from each other and, that's the true spirit of what we mean by competitiveness. Sure. I want to kind of maybe take you back a few moments. You know, you talked there about initially at the top of the conversation about yourself. Maybe you're still finding out who you are and you're still trying to discover who you are. But then, you know, you brought in some of these, uh, these top athletes that you mentioned and, you know, asking them that question about what sport has brought to them and to maybe uh, as, as, as almost maybe a, a conversation starter around where they eventually find themselves now and how they've maybe discovered themselves or what they've discovered about themselves, if you like. Just on that piece there, are there any uh, more specific questions or, 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 yeah, or line of questions that you maybe consider people to go down in identifying um, or getting more clarity on who they are as individuals, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, it does. But, you know, if, if you ask one question, who am I? Uh, you know, you got to come up with uh, some very superficial responses initially. And, and what I encourage people to do is keep asking the question. No, no, no. And just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, 
I'm a psychologist, I'm an author, I'm an athlete. I'm yeah, yeah, but, but who am I? You know, oh, I'm a father, I'm a dad. Uh, no, 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 but, but who am I? Um, I'm a teacher, I'm a mentor, I'm a guide. Um, yeah, but wait a minute, Jerry, like, like who are you really, you know? Uh, I'll get down to the fact that I'm a human being and, and, and my humanness helps me, helps me to understand my mission in life, the purpose of life and why I'm here. And, and so what I am is, is I'm a facilitator, I'm a teacher of goodness, of, of good things. And, and, and my, my mission is to bring joy and kindness to the world. And, uh, you know, ultimately that's what's most satisfying. So we have to keep asking the question, who, who am I? Another question to, to your point, Yaz, that, that I like to ask after you explore who am I is, is where am I going? You know, why am I going there? And who am I taking with me? That kind of sums up life. I mean, really, when you think about it, I mean, where am I going? Well, professionally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, nutritionally, you know? So we have to add all these categories, don't we? So where am I going in these ways? That sort of defines basically your life's journey. And, and, and where am I going and who am I gonna take with me really helps to define who you wanna surround yourself with. If I'm taking people that aren't on that same page, it's gonna delay the progress. Uh, I'll, I'll be a little more clear with that. Let's say I'm an athlete and I wanna go, and I'm a young athlete and I'm a basketball athlete and I wanna play in the NBA, that's where I'm going. Um, and I, I look at who I am and what have you. Okay, so I wanna go, who am I? I better hang out with people who have ambition like I have. I better, I better surround myself with people who really care about me, people who, who are loving and kind. Uh, I, I better have a lot of love in my life because without that love, I'm not going anywhere. And you can see that in the NBA, you can see it in any professional sport league. The athletes that struggle, the athletes that have all the dysfunction going on, look at their family, look at their, their journey. Love is absent. They're struggling to find it. And, and, and whereas when you have a team like, like the Warriors, uh, the Golden State Warriors, and you have a leader such as Steve, and not to glorify Steve at all, but I mean, he's a human being, but he's an amazing human being. Uh, there's a lot of love in that culture. And, 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 and so wherever you find yourself, we want to make sure if we ask the right questions, who am I? Uh, where am I going? Who am I going to take with me? Uh, you want to make sure that there's a lot of support, a lot of connection, a lot of caring, a lot of love, a lot of integrity. And, and so all of these things come together. And, and sport is this microcosmic classroom that allows us to discover the answers to all of these questions. And I just guide people through that. I mean, I, I'll take a, a professional athlete and we'll go through the series of questions, but uh, 
that that's part of it. You know, that that's that's a that's part of the journey, part of the work. But there's so much for them to learn, and there's so much for me to learn. I mean, we're talking about amazing, um, amazing values, uh, Buddha virtues like compassion. Uh, without compassion, the Chicago Bulls would have never happened. I mean, the personalities on that team. So we we had to look at compassion and having compassion for each other, but also self-compassion, so that when you screw up and you're not doing well as an athlete, which happens often, uh, without self-compassion, you beat yourself up, you're not gonna go forward. You know, we're talking about impermanence, another Buddha value. Uh, you win, you lose, you know? Back to the Warriors, you know, they, they won three out of five year championships. Now look at them, I mean, they're struggling to be above 500. That's the impermanence of life. So we learn the lesson and then we apply it rather than getting fed up with ourselves and, and being cruel and harsh with those who are surrounding us. And, and we can understand, you know, being selfless. I mean, what a value to learn through sport. You know, share the ball, you know? North Carolina basketball, uh, Dean Smith came up with the idea, when you get an assist and you score the basket, you run down the court, you point to the person who threw you the ball. Selflessness, giving. So I guess what I'm doing is trying to paint a picture of why I wrote this book is because the Buddha values and the Buddha virtues comes from a sporting background, him, an athlete, and the things that he talks about are truths, like change will happen. Things are impermanent. And we need to understand that we can learn this through sport and have a happier, more fulfilling, more satisfying and meaningful life. Now, definitely. I think you know you, you make some great points there. And I want to kind of maybe bring you back to the, the idea of the competitive Buddha and the competition piece. You know, you talked there about, you know, you would see someone and, and the idea of the competition was actually, you know, we're going to help one another. We're going to support one another. It, it almost, you know, what rings true and kind of really just stands out to me is the idea of, if you're like, iron sharpens iron kind of uh, kind of thought process, you know, in, in that we're going to push each other to be the best. And, you know, if you take, for instance, in the football or soccer context right now, over the last maybe 10, 15 years, you've had the, the likes of Ronaldo and, and Messi um, constantly just, you know, they are competitors, but actually they're pushing each other to become even better because as one gets better, the other one feels like they need to work even harder and, and so on and so forth. So I guess starting from that piece there, how much more is there to it when it comes to that Buddha mentality? So obviously that's just one part of it. And I'm moving into the, into the, into the wider context of just, you know, that's just looking at the competition piece. What are some of the other considerations, variables and factors that we might need to look at there? <clears throat> it's an excellent question and it really probes it really digs deeper because we're going now taking what people sort of see sports as being as a competitive event when indeed it, it, it's it's so much more uh, again uh, it presents opportunities <clears throat> uh, of self-discovery of learning about yourself taking chances, taking risks, and understanding 
that in sport, you're given the opportunity every time you step on the court or in the pool or on a track, you're given the opportunity to take chances, to take risks. And we never get from point A to point B unless we take a risk. Risks are scary because we could lose, we could throw the ball away, or we could come in last. Every time we go on the stage, we're taking a risk. It's an area of vulnerability. It trains us to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is contrary to the way a lot of people think. It's actually a strength. If you can be vulnerable and you're not afraid of losing, that's the only way you're gonna win. Ironically, because if you don't take the chance on winning, you're not going to enter the arena. You're not going to get your face dirty. You're not going to get your hands wet. And, and, and so besides competition, we're looking at risk taking. We're looking at vulnerability. You know, one of my favorite quotes, uh, and this is, a, this is what sports helps us to do. But one of my favorite quotes about risk taking is, uh, uh, Okay, so we approach, <laughs> we approach the, the edge, you know, a cliff. You know, th think of those, those cliffs there in England by the water, right? High above the cliff and you'll look down and, uh, you know, you want to take a risk and jump because you want to discover some greatness, something really fantastic. And uh, you're smiling be because I'm going to interpret that as like, wow, that's scary. I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, yeah, it's an experience. Right? Believe, right? <laughs> yeah, it's overwhelming. But interestingly enough, is all the greats in the world, whether you're athletic or, or not, but all the great things that happen to us in the world come from our willingness to be vulnerable and open up to taking a risk that we might fall flat on our face. So back to this idea of a quote. Uh, the quote is, when you're standing at the edge of the cliff, jump and build your wings on the way down. 98% of the population are standing at the edge of the cliff and they're not gonna jump until, they, until the wings are built. That's not the way life happens. Life happens when you take the risk. And as you're going down, when you're jumping, you're seeing things that you couldn't see from the top standing at the, at, at the edge. And you're going down and you see things and there's a ledge and you can grab onto the ledge and see a door and the door opens and great things happen when you go inside that door. And that's what happens in life, you know? When you take a risk on, on, on going to another country or trying a new job or taking a, a new relationship on, when you take risks, doors start to open where you never saw the doors before. And that's where the growth comes. Why is this important? Because this is the Buddha message. And in sport, we're given the opportunity every time we play to take a risk, yeah. to discover how good could we be and be willing to feel pain, be willing to fail. Because if we fail, if we, if we, if we're willing to fail, we're just going to learn and we're going to get better. And everything that I am today is a result of 
I mean, I got 14 books published, but yeah, as you know what, you know how many rejections I've had for publication? Uh, my bestseller in 13 languages, it was rejected 15 times. You don't think that's a lot. You write a book and get rejected the first five times. What message are you going to tell yourself? Mm. So I entered the arena with the agreement that I'm going to go until this thing gets done. Mm. And, and the same thing with sports. Every time you went to the arena, I'm going to play my heart out and I'm going to crash, uh, sprint my lanes and crash the boards and box out and dive for the 50-50 ball. And in soccer, it's going to be first touch and I'm going to... Uh, dive, go for the 50-50 ball and own it. And I'm going to take all these risks and I might be beat, but I'll never know how great I can be. Like the Buddha said, until you get into the arena and not be afraid of losing. Because mm. Losing becomes our greatest teacher. And, 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 and in this book, I have a whole section, as, I, as you saw, uh, where I talk about... Uh, the Buddha brain and the Mamba mind. Mm. And the Mamba is the Mamba mentality of no other than Kobe Bryant. Mm. And up to the up to the day he died, yes, you probably know this, he was a firm believer in meditation. He meditated every day, which is what the Buddha taught us to meditate, to get clarity, to be clear on things. And and uh, and the whole Buddha mentality of competing, like I remember Kobe saying, I'm not afraid to lose. That shocked people. We're all afraid to lose. He said, I'm not afraid to lose. If I lose, I'm going to learn from it. Mm. That's the Buddha. And I'm not afraid to take a risk because if I take a risk and I fail, I'm back where I started and I'm going to learn again. Yeah. I think just within that, though, you know, that, that getting to that stage where you're saying you're not afraid to lose um, because essentially there'll be a lesson out of it. That's probably taken a lot of um, effort or a lot of, uh, you know, searching or, or, or a lot of experience to get to that stage. But for the average person, that's probably not that simple. So I guess, you know, so I was just going to say, um, you know, off the back of that, how do we get to that point? And, you know, we, you know, we're here talking about... Uh, this Buddha mentality and, 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 you know, using competition to kind of help, help us get even better. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. As individuals or even as teams, if you like. Yeah. So I'm yeah. very interested to know, firstly, how do we get from not having that state of mind to that state yeah. of mind? And then beyond that, how do we then, you know, if we're talking about maybe from a coaching capacity, how do we then maybe instill that onto maybe some of our athletes or if we're, you know, even in the business world, if we have got people that are working within our teams, how do we, how do we get them to shift to that mindset? What are some of the steps that we can take? Yeah. Uh, and, and your, your question is brilliant. And, and, but it's also unfair because it's so penetrating that uh, if I don't have two hours, I'm, I'm not going to do a great job on explaining it. Welcome to a part two, Jerry. No, I know. Listen, you, <laughs> you have this way of really like, 
a laser beam in, in, into the center of the issue. And that's what you're referring to. Uh, so it, it, it's brilliant. Uh, but I'm going to try to simplify it, just like all the things that Buddhism represents to me is a simplification of everything we try to make complex, right? Mm. I can tell you to go out and read all these books, blah, 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 and, 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 and take these seminars and what have you. But honestly, there's certain things that are required of, of an individual. The Chinese once, uh, the Chinese expression, it says, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Now, guess what? The teacher is always there, always in different forms. The teacher is life. Life happens and it's there to teach us. We have to be ready. So there's the first step is if you're listening to this and, and, and you want me to answer that question, I've got to tell everyone listening is, are you ready? Are you ready to kick up your game a notch? Are you ready to discover parts of yourself that you never knew existed and, 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 and to take on life in a way with more vibrancy and, 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 and more gusto. And, and that's not a pep talk. I'm just saying, if that's, if you're ready to do that, the second stage would be awareness. So you, you need to become, we, all of us, myself included, not you, because I, I listen, I'm not even halfway there. Honestly, I mean, I'm talking about this. I've written all these books and I do all this work, but I'm still learning. And so from a guy who was born in Brooklyn, New York, where there's a lot of fear, I, I decided, you know what? There's got to be a better way to enter the arena of life and metaphorically the arena of sport. Because I, quite honestly, I got tired of being hit over the head and and losing and making mistakes and then beating myself up for it. So I was open, I was ready to learn. I got ready, it took, it took me a long time. Maybe, maybe I had to be 35, 36, so I'm ready. Just now, how am I gonna learn all this? So I have to become aware. Yeah. The, it's there. I mean, if you read the book, The Competitive Buddha, honestly, if I could live everything that I wrote in that book, I could just close shop right now and just feel like life has like been perfect, right? But that's not the way it is. The awareness is there, and now the action has to take place. So after you're aware, ah, wow. So that means I can compete in a different way? Yeah, you can. And does that mean I could learn about Losing in a different way? Yes, you can. But it's small steps at a time. Because in our culture, losing doesn't feel good. And it might never feel good. But if you understand that the greatest teacher is sometimes the most painful event that you're taking on in your life, if you're willing to put up with that and say, from the other side of this pain, from the other side of what I'm learning, I will be better off, not just as an athlete, but as a person. And, and you start to feel it. So, so it's gradual. It's a learning process, you know? Yeah. Like the, like the computer, it's a learning process. No, I, and I to, I'm totally with you there. I, I guess what I'd ask off the back of that is, 
yeah, we want to learn from the experience we've just had, or you know, the or even just even if it's someone else's experience. But and if we're talking about getting that that awareness piece, that 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 bit, whole thing around awareness, what are the types of questions that you maybe want us to start asking ourselves, maybe to see whether we're actually focused on the right areas. You know, you, you're talking about the, if the teachers, if, well, if the, if the student's ready to learn, then the teacher will always be there. You're right. The information's always there. That's never going to go. But I guess, how do we prioritize as individuals potentially what we're looking to focus on and which teacher we're looking at, if you like? For me, for me personally, uh, it, it, it was a process. It was a process of, wanting something better in life, out of life. I guess I'm a seeker. Mm. I seek higher ground. Mm. And I don't mean better than somebody else. I mean, higher ground to me means that if, if I'm up here, I can see what's down there. Mm. But if I'm down there, I can't always see it. Mm. I'm in the middle of it. So I think it's a desire to seek wisdom, a desire to seek a better way. If your life is perfect as it is, then you should turn this off right now. No one should be listening if it's perfect because there's nothing here to learn. But I don't hear anyone turning off, turning the volume down. So I'm gonna assume that our lives are not perfect, but we are interested in approaching the cliff at the, at the, at the risk of saying life could be better. And I'm going to start finding out how that could happen. And, mm-hmm. and so you, you observe, you see other people. Oh my gosh, th- th- these people over here, they seem so happy. Why are they, why are they happy? You know, why are they happy? And they, talk, they have family, they have relationships, they have closeness, connection. Oh, maybe I best start thinking about my relationships. Mm. You go over here and you say, hmm, this team seems to really have it together. I love the way they are as a team. I wonder what that's about. So you study that or you try to find out what, what makes that team so good. What makes the Golden State Warriors the Golden State Warriors? Well, maybe it's their values of joy and selflessness and compassion. Or if you go up to the Seattle Seahawks, the football, and you, you look at uh, Pete Carroll's organization up there and you look at his values or you go to Anson Duran soccer coach at Carolina and you look at the values his team functions under so we have to be aware we have to look ask questions find out hey how come how come you're doing what you're doing Mm. yeah why are you doing that you seem to really enjoy this how curious so so it, it requires you to have this this sense of of searching and seeking, but there's also this sense of curiosity, this endless curiosity, and no. a curiosity. That that piece there, I think I, I, that's fascinating for me. Now, I, I really want to know: Can you get that, or are you born with that? 
because for me, I'll give you an example. You, you, I, I was that guy, you know, maybe, you know, maybe not in school, but certainly as I grew up and I got into the coaching world and I started, you know, taking some like maybe the professional development courses and coach education courses, I was always that guy. Yeah, I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to know what put my hand up and I'd have questions coming, you know, and tell people just looking at me like, does this guy ever stop asking questions? Or I just want to learn more. But is that something that is is innate within us, or do you believe that that comes from that can be learned? It it not only can be learned. I think perhaps ninety eight or ninety percent of it is learned. Ninety eight percent of it is learned. The environment. If you grew up in a family, and and you go to bed at night, and your mom and dad are reading you books, and and the books are ones that really play into your imagination mm. and, and help you to ask questions and help you to dream and to imagine and to have vision. And, and then, oh, so that's one piece. And then the other piece is, is, you know, around the breakfast table, mom and dad are, are asking questions like, like, so how are you liking, how are you like, how are you enjoying uh, this year in school? What, what is it like? And, mm. and, and, and so, it's an environmental thing where you learn that asking questions and learning is a good thing and you become comfortable with it. And then there are some environments, they don't have any of that stimulation. They don't have the, uh, yeah, it's the stimulation really. So I, I you know, to your question, uh, for me personally, I grew up in an environment, to be honest with you, that was not very stimulating. Mm. Not at all. In fact, my father, my father never went to high school. Imagine, mm. not even high school. And my mother, two years to high school. So they weren't very intellectual. They weren't very like curious about a lot of things. You know, they were too concerned about where's the next meal going to come from. Mm. Seriously, you know, my father was a product of the depression. And it's like, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to figure out, you know, make sure we have meals for the next seven days. Yeah. And, and, and so that was their concern. And, and, you know, I, I totally understand that. But what happened was I, I got involved with people as I was growing uh, who were different than that. And, mm. and, and so environmentally, I started to say, wow, maybe I can be that or maybe I can do that. I mean, I remember, you know, when I was during Vietnam, I was I was an officer in the in the military in the Vietnam crisis in this country, and I remember being surrounded by a group of young men, which one of whom was myself, a young man, and they were always talking about what are we going to do when we get out, you know, like what? Oh, I'm going to go to law school. Oh. I'm going to go get my PhD in history, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. And it made me think, you know, like, well, what am I going to do? That environment led me to asking questions, which then the answers to led me to believe, which then led me to action, which then led me to going to graduate school, getting a doctorate, which then led to more and more. So we kept building on it. So for me personally, my experience is that it's 
it's a learned phenomenon in environments that are very curious and open to learning. And then you become, as it sounds like you are, and I can tell you from your questions that you're a life learner. You're a life learner. I mean, you, you know, and, and, and the great coaches that we talk about, like Phil Jackson and Steve Kerr and Pete Carroll, and, and there are many, Quinn Snyder uh, for Utah Jazz, uh, they're life learners. And they, they say that. And, and, and they'll say things like, I got so much to learn, you know, as opposed to being filled up already. And, you, you know, when you look at the coaches who are filled up or the athletes who are filled up, they're not going anywhere because they have it all. So they're not even open to ways where they might grow. But being a life learner, back to your point, I say be curious. That's wanting to learn, having an open mind, and having the desire to find a way that's better than what you're experiencing now because it feels good and it makes life make sense. I think all of those are the important ingredients. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd even throw something in there. It's not that, you know, maybe not necessarily look for a way that's necessarily better all the time, but maybe look for a way that's different because, you know, the way that you might be currently, you know, looking to kind of implement something or work, you know, work, work with something might not be, appropriate for the next environment you go into or the next person you come across and because yeah, of yeah i like that yeah. for me it's that right come across yeah. as many ways as you can and maybe now you've yeah. almost if you like created this arsenal of weaponry right. yeah. no uh, i like the way you couch that and and, and it's a great a, a great way of putting it which is something not so necessarily better but something different because i'm going to interpret that because that means you're learning something new and you're expanding your base of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And therefore you're opening up options and choices. 110%. I mean, I, I always come back to this one experience, which, which was kind of a bit of a, an eye opener for me. It's about, about five years ago, I was working with a group of players and I had uh, six players at the time and they were all very different in, how they worked, um, but they were also from different countries. Now, one of them maybe worked in the way that which I would traditionally work in, in terms of particular techniques and whatnot. However, I then had to take a step back, but rather than stepping in and saying, right, hey, this is not how you do it. I want it done like this. Actually, hold on a second, let's take a step back. Are they getting success? Is it causing them an issue? Mm -hmm. And then it just, you know, brings the old saying up. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Ooh, now ouch. for me, I looked at that and I thought, all right, there's a reason why they're doing things differently. Let me try and understand the reason why before I look at the what. Mm -hmm. And it could be down to their individual differences based on maybe their height, their weight, their speed, the agility, all these, all these physical components that could make a difference. But all quite simply, the part of the world that they're maybe from because there's a different way of doing things wherever you are. It might be a cultural thing. Um, and what that helped me to do was actually start to dissect and uh, uh, a laser focus, if you like, on right, what are the subtle differences here and maybe populate some questions as to, right, how does that make them feel? Why, why do they prefer doing it that way? Or, understand, again, understand the why behind it. 
So then mm-hmm. that helped me to say, right, okay, well now I've gone from having this one technique that I would have just drilled into them to now having four or five that I can look at and say, right, I've got A, B, C, D, and E here now. Mm-hmm. Now, when I come across another player who maybe my A hasn't worked on in the past, I've now got B, C, D, and E to share with them mm-hmm. to see what works for them and what's best appropriate for them. Um, mm-hmm. But I see that you're looking at me quite intently so what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are your observations are very keen uh, and, and spot on. Um, I'm not, it's not a questioning look. It's like, wow, yeah, that's really good. Uh, I love the way you really come back to this. I mean, what you're doing here is uh, you're, you're reminding all of us that everything starts from the question, doesn't it? The question is an interesting word because if you break it down, it's quest. And that gets back to seeking. And, and, and I notice how good you are at questions, not yes and no answers, but penetrating questions, provocative questions. And I think as a coach, to ask a great question and to be able to listen, and that's really key, to the responses is a true, a true way of, of, of guiding and leading others. And uh, we don't ask enough questions and we don't, we don't listen. We don't listen enough because everything, because something works for somebody doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else. Mm. And, and I think success is not the byproduct or the outcome of this athlete or this team. It's, why they're doing this and how can we take what we're learning here from our questions and maybe help somebody else over here who has a different culture or a different way of doing things. And mm-hmm. you're nodding yes. And I, I guess you sort of agree with that. But. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Cause you know, know you're right. I, I'm very inquisitive. I really want to know why um, to the point where, when I first started out in this in this coaching journey of mine, I was very much driven by the what. Just do it this way. Do it this way. I don't care about anything else. Just do it this way because I'm asking you to do it this way. I'm the coach. I say, I say you do it. What I say goes mentality. Now, I guess a range of different experiences at different sports and looking at different environments started to help me to look at, right, what's actually happening here? Yes, I could tell them how to do it. Some of them may be able to achieve it. Some of them may be able to implement and reenact what I'm asking them to do. But how many of them can do that without me in their ear? That was the question that kind of really, you know, really got me thinking, right? How do I get them to start doing these things without me in their ear? Or to Mm -hmm. start with, it comes with the awareness piece. There's a reason why I'm asking them to do it in a certain way, because maybe I can see something that they can't. Mm -hmm. I'm on the outside of the frame. They're in the photo. Mm-hmm. now they're never going to be able to see that because those blind spots are going to be there until i start exposing them for it so i have to start asking different types of questions so yeah. i've you know and we often get asked this question or i've certainly i've been asked this question plenty of times of what's your why okay fine what's my why actually what's your why why do you want me to play this way well actually i want to play this way because of this reason but why do you think I want you to play this way? Mm-hmm. 
get them to start thinking right and you know it comes to that point where I've now almost referred to myself as the coach of I like to look at myself as the coach of the why rather than the coach of the how or the what I'm not really interested in how you get it done mm-hmm. I want to know why you get it done the way you do it because that helps me to understand what you're actually considering as a variable that may impact on your performance whether that be a, a technical um element whether that be a tactical element whether that be you know in any in any you're describing you're describing techniques that i talk about in the uh the leadership section of the book the competitive athlete competitive uh buddha uh which is uh, being a servant leader mm. which is an ancient concept but it's really gotten a lot of traction these days uh you're actually being a servant you know you're serving your athletes by asking them the guiding questions because you know correct me if i'm wrong intuitively that every one of those athletes and any of those coaches they have within them the ability to know why this is it so it's interesting because i always say to so in in one of my roles i I work as a coach educator and you know i often get thrown back the question you can't just keep asking people questions so why not because all I, i personally believe no matter who you are you've got the answers Mm-hmm. You just have to have the right questions in front of you to take you to that point. That's right. That's um, right. Ultimately, it comes to the point where I'm asking your question, not asking a question no. in a specific way, but asking it in a way that's specific to you. Right. Right. How you what? understand it, and how I what? can pull it out of you is is the is the important part, which kind of leads me onto this other piece. I always talk about in you know that that communication piece is so important that. It, I, again, again, I come back to the learners and, I, and any other coach I speak to. Well, who, whose responsibility is it to make sure the message is understood? Is it for me as the communicator who's relaying that message to you to ensure that you've understood it in, a, in, in an effective and, and appropriate manner? Or is it for you to now take my message and, and, and decipher it? Now, if I'm asking you a question that you don't understand, then I'm not going to get to the answer we're looking for. And it might not be a specific answer we're looking for anyway but I'm certainly not going to get one on the right line of thinking, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I guess from that perspective, you know, I, I do a lot of my coaching literally through asking questions. Now yes. the challenge that often gets thrown back at me is right. This can be quite long winded. This can take time. And my response is, well, yeah, you're right. It can take time. However, if I look at it as a six week or a 12 week or 18 week block of work, a large part of the, maybe the first couple of weeks will just be me getting to understand what type of questions might be most effective for the people I'm working with. Now, once we've had those conversations back and forth, like, you know, we, we've been speaking for nearly an hour now, Jerry, and I'm sure, I'm sure that off the back of some of the conversation we've had already, if we touch base on this in a month's time or two months time, because of the depth that we've gone into, it won't be a full on in-depth conversation around the same points. Again, it would just be a referencing. And this is the concept that I, I, I mean, I've not done any research yeah. on this. I've not looked into this beyond my own personal experiences, if you like. I, you know, I am, I, am, I am studying, of course, and I'm always trying to learn, but I've not done anything uh, with any real rigor, if you like, other than just reflect on my own experiences. And for me, I've understood that if I have that mentality or that approach to actually just delving into where your mind is at, what's the base that you're working from? Why are you thinking the way you're thinking? What are you, what are you, in, what are you, considering as an as a variable that will impact on your ability to do something now if i can have that conversation with you and get you to a certain point 
on that that journey or a certain perspective on that picture, if you like, I never have to have that conversation again because all I have to do is write, Jerry, remember what we spoke about the other day when we said this part? Uh, that could be anything. Now, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I don't find myself having to repeat myself, but just referencing you back. And that yeah. can always be a reference point, whether that be two weeks down the line, six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. And I've found that that's worked for me. Yeah, but the, you know, this is a very interesting conversation and we're going to go into midnight here, but here's the deal. What you're assured of because of that approach is that we're on the same page and there's a complete understanding between two people. And I walk away, you're my coach. I walk away feeling like I did it myself. That's it. I mean, this- what a feeling that is. How, how empowering is that? Mm-hmm. How much confidence do I get out of that? Not trying to figure out what the coach wants and he's telling me to do, but that what I have inside and I'm getting acknowledged for that, right? 100%. But I, and I feel, you know, it'll be interesting to get your thoughts on this. I feel that, and this is probably through experience now, you know, that I'm able to ask these questions of, of my players or my athletes, if you like, to the point where, it doesn't matter what they come back with. I'm good to run with it. And I can just delve deeper and delve deeper and delve deeper till I guide them to the point where I'm hoping they can get to. And it's not a specific answer that I'm looking for per se, but there's an, there's an, there's, I guess there's a question that I want answered. And ultimately is why? Why have you, why have you chosen to do this? What have you yeah. missed in your observations that's... Uh, helped you decide on this is why you did this or, or or why you've had to end up doing x over y and i think that part there for me is is the bit where i get really curious i want to know what you what are you seeing mm-hmm. but I, I go one what you know one one further than that and, and it'll be good to get your views on this i don't just question them on what they may be seeing or taking in from a, a visual perspective but actually how did you feel how did you feel when you received that pass with the defender two two yards away. How did you feel when you received that pass that was bobbling in, mm-hmm. but the defender was five yards away? And I guess paying attention to those thoughts and feelings and observations start to create different perception of the situation for the individual. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, I have an expression that says, from feelings come function. So if we're, if we're creating awareness through our questions about feelings mm. and we're training athletes or other people to go inside and ask, how am I feeling during this process? That's going to equal how they function. Mm. I mean, if they're feeling a certain way and it's not upbeat and positive, they're going to function in, in a similar way. And, and, and so it's, it's all tied in. Uh, you know, it, it's extremely important. Uh, my head is spinning. Uh, with this conversation uh, in a good way. Believe me, it's very stimulating. But here's something too that I want to throw out. I'm always, and I'm sure you are too, athletes come to us on a very simple level and ask us a question. Like, because I'm the expert, quote unquote. Hmm. I'm the coach, you know, and they'll come to me and they'll say, so, how do I do this when this happens? Now, the fact that they're asking the question, I throw it right back in their lap. I don't answer the question. What I say is, you know what? I believe in you. 
to such a degree that I think you even know. Give it a shot. What do you think the answer to your question is? Right. And they come out with this thing, and it's like, my, I wish I thought of that. They come up with an answer which works for them. Right. And I think that's the key. Because, and it, and, and, and once, they, once they come up with the answer, and, and you're there, and you agree, and you say, that's brilliant. I like the way you're thinking. They're more likely to go with that answer than if you gave them the same answer, because now there's ownership. Mm. Now they own it. 100%. And I think that's the key part. It's that ownership. They've come up with that. So now all of a sudden, it's like, well, I guess, the, you know, the, 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 the connection to the brain is almost like it's there. It's stuck now. Yeah. I, I've over, I've come up with this. I've, I've discovered this. It's yeah. not something we're having to remember per se. It's, some, it's an experience. We have, to, we have to train. See, what we have to do is they're, they're not trained in their environments. Most people are not trained to believe and trust in their own answers to their own questions. Mm. So they go to the expert. And I don't like that. So I'm not, I'm not the expert. And I never call myself an expert. But what we do is we, we work together. And I tell you, I believe in you, Yes, I do. I believe in you. And the question you just asked, I'm wondering, how would you answer that if you were the coach? So I'm immediately putting it back into their yeah. court and empowering them through listening. And then I have to listen. Yeah. And, and if something that's, that I have something to add to, I can say to them, that's brilliant. I love what you just said. And have you thought of this? Ask them the question, have you thought of this? Not tell them. Yeah, yeah. And they say, yeah, you know, I did think of that. Wonderful. Now you got the whole package uh, you know what? I, I, I can see where you're going with it i definitely see how that would work i think you know my approach is slightly different my approach would be if you came to me with something and you said well yes what, what should we do here i don't know jerry you tell me <laughs> what should we do um mm. uh, you know maybe maybe adding that piece around i believe in you my the same thing I yeah. yeah yeah i mean <laughs> i i think it sets the table what happens is what's the interpsychic message well it, the, the message is Coach trusts me, so I should trust myself. And I'm in a safe environment. Yeah. He's not going to criticize my answer. You know, it's safe. Yeah, 100%. And we have to create these environments. And that's what servant leadership is all about, is the master is the student. Mm. And the coach becomes the student. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I totally agree with that. And I think it is... If for me, I've always, you know, I always said, right, I always ask my players or my athletes questions because I want to be, I want them to feel that we're on this journey together. It's not me yeah. taking right. them on the journey. It's right. Me, right. We're on this journey together. Right. We're learning together. Right. It, 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 it's a great opportunity for me, especially when I'm now putting on new, new, maybe new practices, new, new types of sessions for them. And mm -hmm. I'll be open with them. You know, I, mm -hmm. I like to think off the cuff. I don't really plan too many things in advance. It's, I've got an idea of what I want to see and I've kind of, over time got some principles that I kind of uh, work off to get those things to come out but at, at yeah. certain times I might think you know what guys we're going to try something different today I've never tried this before and it's that mm -hmm. comes back to the top of the, the conversation we talked about the vulnerability mm -hmm. that vulnerability for me as the coach I think it allows them to kind of just okay yeah let's let's come on that journey with you yes mm -hmm. we don't mind if you mess up because now we know that you're, you're learning too and I yeah, think that I piece is key and you can communicate that to them. Yeah. For instance, uh, a great coach will say to an athlete, you know, God, 
that's my bad. God, I blew that one. Yeah. Uh, let's start again. <laughs> uh, or uh, that loss is on my shoulder. I didn't prepare you guys well enough. I didn't do my job. Uh, what that tells other people is that this guy is open and he's vulnerable and he's not perfect. And therefore, he's not expecting us to be that way. So now we can relax about it. And of course, ironically, when you relax about things like that, you tend to perform at higher levels anyway, right? Because you're not worried about being ridiculed or worried about being called out or something like that. Uh, so it's, you know, I'll tell you what, this is, this is amazing stuff. And, uh, and I'm willing to stay longer. And, and believe me, I'm not trying to end it here. But I think it's important that your listeners somehow get a link to the conference yeah that i'm going to be putting on with steve kerr and and uh anson durance and 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 uh tara vanderveer the winningest women's basketball coach of all time and cindy timshaw the winningest lacrosse coach of all time anson the winningest men's women's soccer coach of all time we're putting on this conference yes uh, it's virtual and uh, we'll have we'll have people from five different continents, so 12, 13 countries attending this, and uh, it's life changing. It really is. And everything that you're we're talking about, I mean, I'm going to dive right into this whole thing with servant leadership, right? Mm. And how to serve them rather than them serving us, and uh, how to be a good listener and ask good questions. So uh, it's really germane to this whole process. Definitely, definitely. No, I, I am uh, full of time. Um, so maybe it might be, might be worth maybe putting in a part two, but I've got a couple more questions just to kind of, uh, you know, wind down and wrap up it before we kind of move on. And maybe you can share a bit more about the conference itself. Um, mm -hmm. and I'm sure there's, you know, you've got my mind spinning even off the back of this conversation. And I'm sure there's probably listeners thinking out there, out there thinking what the hell's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. We're in our own little rabbit holes right now, but you know, something off the back of what you just said there a second ago, and it, it's, you know, a quote that came to me once was, you know, coaches should learn to point the fingers at themselves when the athletes don't get the results that they they were looking for. Mm -hmm. Because it, it, at the end of the day, our, our job is, you know, to do and say the right things, that, you know, in the right way, at the right time for the right person to get the right result. And, you know, we can only do that by understanding, having those, those you know, those in-depth uh, conversations and those you know, questions for the athletes we work with to understand their why. And whether that's the why they've maybe performed a certain action or even just as simple as why are they here in this environment with us? What are they trying mm -hmm. to achieve? Mm -hmm. And so what are some of the experiences that, you know, that, that that's brought them to this point? Well, I, I think it's also important. This has, this has to be mentioned because... Yeah, there are some listeners out there wondering where are they going with all this. Uh, it where we're going with it is where the great coaches are today. The the great coaches are asking questions, are listening, are empowering and inspiring athletes, as opposed to walking in and telling them do this, do this, do this, and then when the going gets tough, the athlete looks over their shoulder and says, "Coach, tell me what do I need to do." rather than believing in themselves. Mm. So this is really cutting edge stuff that we're talking about. And it's so, it's so important. Now, having said that, there's coaches out there that are thinking, yeah, fine and dandy, but you know, there's some X's and O's here we got to talk about. And, you know, I totally buy that. I mean, I, I get it. Like there are certain things that 
that we have to teach specifically about a certain movement or a certain offensive setup or, or, or an out of bounds play or something like that. But then within the context of that, you could still do the same thing we're talking about. You could mm-hmm. still ask a question, like when something doesn't work, when you're teaching him in X's and O's, you could ask the question, right? The question yeah. is, how could that have been done differently? What, what do you think we could have done to make that more successful? But Jerry, you know what on that? I'd go as far as saying, actually, before we even get to that stage where it doesn't work, actually, fellas, ladies, gentlemen, whoever you are, do you understand what just happened here to actually make this work? Do you understand what the athletes against us and the opposition did or didn't do that allowed this to happen? Mm-hmm. And what are those variables that you're paying attention to? Mm-hmm. I'd, go, I'd go as far as that and then start oh, to right, Did those variables occur, right? If those variables didn't occur, right, let's see what happened instead. Yeah, but my, my point is that, you know, because I'm, I'm very aware of these listeners and they're out there thinking, I'm telling you, I deal with thousands of coaches and they're thinking, come on, guys, how do we coach the X's and O's? You coach the X's and O's the way you're going to coach the X's and O's. But what we're doing is we're adding another layer. It's another level of sophistication. And it's simple. Mm. By you asking that question, the athletes have to go inside and solve the problem. They have to actually see how the dynamic unfolded and what they can do to correct it or to keep it or to change it or to do whatever they need to do with it. And you're there as the guide and you're asking the guiding questions on the quest. And the quest is to become the be- a better version of yourself, a better version of the team, a better version of, of life. It's always that way. And it always comes from taking a quest. You go on this quest, this journey, and that journey is filled with questions. And they're not mutually exclusive. X's and O's, questions, hand in hand, they go together. It's a methodology, which is going beyond the antiquated methods that, that just aren't working today they're just not and that's 98 percent of the coaching out there that's a shocking statistic but i'm probably being conservative (laughs) no listen it's it's, it's a great it's a great point jerry and i think you know um certainly from my experiences you know i i find myself more and more often asking myself and asking you know when i'm looking at other coaches why are you doing things that way why are you telling players how to do things why well, you know, obviously, yeah, we have to, like you said, work on those X's and O's. But at the end of the day, if we're always telling these people how to do it, how are they going to learn how to do it themselves if we're not giving them the opportunity? Yes, support them. Yes, if they can't see it. I, I mean, it's got to the point where people you know, have maybe had feedback and observations of the way I coach. And you don't actually coach. No, what do you mean I don't actually coach? You don't actually, all you do is ask them questions. Okay, right. You never tell them how to do it or what to do. I don't need to. I just ask them to pay attention to how it makes them feel, whether it feels right or not. So that in itself will, will, will bring out their own technique for whatever they're trying to achieve. All I've got to do is say, right, hey, guys, this is the end goal. Let's see how we can get there. You know, 
to sort of put a little different spin on this, my wife, Jan, she's been in practice. She's a physician here in town. She's been in practice for 36 years. Why is this relevant? She's got one of the most well-known practices. Uh, after 36 years, she's getting, every week she has five new patients referred to her. That's unheard of. Five new ones. She has to hire doctors to come in because she can't take the overload and everything. 80% of the conversation that she has is asking the patient questions. Mm. It's an agreement. She's the coach and the, and the patient is the athlete, right? Same thing. 80% she tells me of her conversation is asking the patient questions and the answers that come up teaches the patient that they have within them the answer to their health and their overwhel overwhelming well-being. And they're more inclined to buy in when Jan then says to her patient, you know what? You're absolutely right. From everything that I know, I couldn't say it even better. And the patient leaves two things. A, I came up with it myself. And B, the doctor approves of it. And therefore, I'm going to buy into it. I'm doing it. As opposed to the doctor saying, well, this is what you got to do. You got to do this, this, and this, all right? Take this home, take this two times a day, blah, blah, blah. See you next week. She's there diving into questions that go beyond just what the patient came in with. And, and she believes that the success of her practice has everything to do with that method. Imagine, that's totally not related to sport. Yeah. Absolutely. And they, and they get well, you know what? They get well, they, 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 their health improves and they feel empowered. And when they feel empowered, they're more likely to, to, to do the things that are necessary to have a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, thanks for, for giving me that time. Uh, this is a conference that I put on with my partner, John O'Sullivan, who's brilliant. Uh, and the two of us put on this conference. I have a lot of contacts in the world of athletics, a lot of people who are really, uh, really at the top of their game, like a Steve Kerr. Steve will be there, like I said, uh, you know, Tara Vanderveer, the best women's coach of all time, uh, basketball coach. And it, it, the list goes on and on. And uh, what I'd like is if your listeners somehow could get a link to that conference. Yep. I sent that to you, didn't I? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, that will be put in the show notes for you. When is the conference? The conference, okay, so it's virtual. And the beauty of that is the conference is August 21st and 22nd. So, so it's a Saturday and so Sunday. After the part two, is it? It's what? After our part two, is it? <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. That is definitely part two. <laughs> I love, I love your sense of humor. It's so good. Yeah. 
we have to have a sense of humor. That put that in the next conversation. If we can't laugh at ourselves, too many people taking themselves too seriously out there. So it's the 21st and 22nd. It's virtual, and it's Saturday and Sunday. And we're going to have breakout rooms. We're going to have two speakers in the morning, two speakers in the afternoon. I'm going to be presenting quite a bit of of material and asking a lot of questions. And uh, uh, would love to see you there. You're going to get uh, two free books if you sign up. You're going to get my brand new book, The Competitive Buddha. And you're going to get John's book, uh, Every Moment Matters, which is another brilliant book on coaching and sports and, and athletes, athletic performance. And so... Two books come along with that, and uh, it's just going to be an amazing, amazing conference. We'll, we're going to get coaches. We'll probably have five to 700 coaches from at least five continents, and it's growing every year. And this year, we're very fortunate to have a star-studded cast of speakers. I really feel blessed. So it's going to be a great one. Uh, you'll come away after the weekend. I guarantee you this, or your money back. Uh, if you don't come away from that weekend with several and by several a minimum definition of several is three, but I think it's going to be more like five or six life-changing strategies uh, to bring into your coaching and to your performance. If you're an athlete, uh, then we're not doing our job. And mm-hmm. so I'm real excited about it. And, and I, and if you don't have that, if you have the uh, uh, the link to it, that would be great if they could, or they could go to, uh, what they could do is go to uh, changingthegameproject.com mm. or wayofchampions.com. And uh, those are two websites. And up at the menu bar up there, it has a conference, Way of Champions Conference. If you press on that, it'll, give you the link and it'll show everything, but it'd be great if you could awesome. share that link with them no, as well. We'll definitely put, those, put that link in the show notes for you. Um, Jerry, just as we start to, you know, uh, you know, just to wrap up then, would you mind just maybe um, beyond those two uh, websites, let listeners aware they can potentially get in touch with you and some of the other uh, stuff that you do. So I know that you guys have got the Way of Champions podcast as well. I don't know if you just want to share a bit of insight around that for the listeners. Yeah. The Way of Champions podcast, uh, we now have over a million listeners to it. It's it's one of the top five sports podcasts now in the country, I believe. Uh, it's Way of Champions podcast. And uh, every week on a, on a Monday, we have a new speaker and uh, someone new to interview. It's not, not an interview. It's more like what you and I were doing. This is a conversation. So that's the way it is. Uh, it's a very nice, low-key conversation, like a fireside chat, you know? that kind of thing. Uh, also on wayofchampions.com, uh, there's a, up at the menu bar, there's a blog page. And I've been writing ferociously uh, quite often uh, insights into all of the things we've talked about today. And uh, I have quite a few things that I've written on there in, in the last several months, and I'm continuing to do it. So I think you'll find it very interesting and very enlightening and educational and uh yeah i'm asking a lot of questions on those things and and i think you'll find the answers inside for sure and and uh you know my email is uh way of champions at gmail.com website way of champions.com awesome 
but Jerry, look, it's been a fascinating conversation. I'm, and I'm sure um, off the back of this, we'll pick up and have a part two at some point. Um, because I, I feel like, you know, there's so, there's so many more questions that need to be asked on this topic. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I was smiling and I was like thinking sometimes my facial expression showed it like, oh, my God, this guy is going deep. And 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 uh, please give me three hours, will you, to, to answer this? Let's do it. Let's so, do it. Make it a I don't know. We'll do it again. Definitely. Definitely. I'll do it because it's fun. And also it it plays into my why. And my why is, again, I'm not looking at making a living as much as I am making a difference. And as long as I have platforms where I can make a difference, I'm going to be, I'm going to show up, but it's got to be fun. Awesome. So Joe, just on yeah. that, you got one final question for you, you know, but just by having this conversation with me right now, you know, you made yourself part of the coaches network community. What's the legacy that you want to leave behind? Oh, it's too early for legacy. Too, too, I talk about legacies. Uh, you, you got, you got to have more time. You can't be <laughs> much too soon. And uh, I might not be the one, uh, but so tune in next time to find out, right? Yeah, perhaps that would be good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no problem, no problem. But thanks for the question, and 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 I it'll go inside deeply, and and but I really my my gut feeling is uh, too soon for a legacy. Well, look, Jerry, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate your time this afternoon, this evening, um, and I'm sure we'll definitely catch up. Well, there you have it guys another episode of the coaches network podcast where our aim is to bring the world of athlete talent and personal development together to just one platform and you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of you can tag us in those mentions as well on instagram at the coaches network or on twitter at the coaches net we look forward to hearing from you let us know what you thought about today's episode and until next time guys take care